Amen. Hey, good morning, church. Man, y'all looking good in here. If you're online, I'm sure you're looking good as well. Hey, uh, my name is Matt Chirac, and I'm privileged to be the campus pastor, online campus pastor here at Propel Church. And uh, hey, church, can you do me a favor? Can you just help me welcome everybody that's online with us this morning? Yeah. Hey, so in person, obviously, you know that we're currently in the gym. Uh, if you're online, we in the gym. But guess what? I got some great news. March 28th, that's next Sunday. We're going to be in the auditorium. Can y'all celebrate that? Come on, we going into the auditorium, getting out of the gym. Man, I'm so excited. I told 9 a.m., so I got to tell you as well that uh, Rick, one of our guitar players here, he's going to be doing backflips next week. And so I figure if I keep telling enough people that he'll actually try it. So uh, we're going to need some EMTs in the house, though, I believe. Uh, Rick, I love you, man. No, but seriously, we're, we're excited. We're pumped up to get out there um, or to, to go over there to move over to the auditorium. Uh, that's, that's a huge win, man. There's so many people that have worked so hard to see that happen. So thank you for that. And uh, be with us next Sunday. Um, before I jump into the content today, uh, I always like to take just a moment. Uh, one of the incredible things that, that we have at part of our culture here at Propel is honor. And so Pastor Nick and Tori, I love you all so much. Thank you so much for everything you do for this church, for this community, and for entrusting me to share God's truth with, uh, with everyone this morning. Man, I love you. Seriously. That's, that's bro code for love you, man. <laughs> so uh, this... this um, this is a, what we call a standalone message, so it, we're not in a message series this morning, um, so you haven't, you haven't missed anything. Uh, well, you have. You should definitely go back and check out last week, Pastor Nick and Tori taught. That was off the hook, if y'all ain't seen that yet. Um, but I've titled this message, Our Desperate Need, Our Desperate Need. And so as I was getting ready to, to, to preach and teach and was kind of diving into the content, um, I was thinking about this season that we've been in. A lot of times we refer to COVID-19 as like a 2020 thing, but it's, we're, it's still a thing. And we're still, we're still experiencing that and we're still seeing some of the things that are happening currently in our world right now are because of that. And so as I reflected to how it first started, because it's been almost a year since uh, we had to make the shift to go to all online and learned all about what that would look like and how to teach in front of a camera, which is really hard for a jittery guy like me. Let me just tell you, that was not good. Um, and so part of what I thought about was, y'all remember Tiger King? Does anybody remember Tiger King? Like the show on Netflix? I, there was some stuff that tried to kill us in, in, in this season, like COVID, like the pandemic. But then the enemy made me feel like a tiger was going to come and get me in Rockwell, North Carolina. Now, now, here's the thing. Where I live, there actually is tigers and lions because there's a, there's a place somewhere there. And every now and then, the wind blows the right way. You can hear them roar. But, y'all, a tiger? Like, I got to worry about tigers. And then there was the whole murder hornet things. Y'all remember those? Like, I can deal with snakes and bees, honeybees, stuff like that. But a six-inch hornet? What do you do with that? You can't outrun it. You got to smack it with a tennis ball racket or something. <laughs> There was a lot of things in this season and still currently is some things that the enemy has intended to kill us. Yeah. And so what, what's happening now is as we're kind of opening back up and I'm seeing, uh, you know, different states are kind of lifting some of the precautions that we've put on because of COVID. And I'm seeing people, they kind of wilding out. Now that's a term from, I'm from Maryland, from, from the city area. And what that means is they're acting crazy and they're doing whatever they want. The whole YOLO, you only live once, Right. You do you, boo-boo. So, so people, 
people are wilding out right now. They're acting crazy. And what they're doing is, is they're making decisions based off of feelings. And so we feel like we've been in this environment where we've kind of been isolated and cooped up. And now we're just going out into the world and we're doing and saying whatever we want. Like, we, we don't understand currently right now that what I'm saying and what I'm doing, whether I know you or not, has a direct effect on everybody. On everybody. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm, I'm going to tell us all about how, how we're connected and how... Uh, let's, just, let's just get there in a minute. First thing I'd like to do is if, if you have a Bible with you, if you could open up to Luke chapter 8. We're going to be in verse 40 through 56. And uh, what I'm going to do is because I love y'all, I'm going to read all 16 verses initially. And then we're going to kind of stay there and revisit some of the verses as we dive into the content. So if y'all are ready, can you say you're ready? ready. All right. That wasn't very good. Let's try again. I need some encouragement. Come on. Y'all ready? ready? All right. I love it. I love it. All right. So Luke chapter 8, verse 40 says, On the other side of the lake, crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, circled that, highlighted it, do something with it. So you see that 12 years old was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. Circle that as well. And she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. I don't know why I say it like that. Who touched me? I don't think Jesus talked like that. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, the whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use in troubling the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith, and she will be healed. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. That's Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 56. So that was a lot, right? Y'all still with me? That was a lot. I wanted to give us the whole picture, the whole story, so that we could kind of go back and retravel through this. So the, I want to talk about the two characters that the Bible initially talks about in the first beginning of this text. It's going to be uh, verses 40 through 43. We see that the scripture introduces us to a man named Jairus. And Jairus is a man who is a leader of the synagogue. And what that means is he was basically like a pastor at a local church in, in biblical times. All right. And so back then, if you were 
a leader at the synagogue, you were somebody who carried a ton of influence. Like you were well known in the community, but you weren't just well known in the community. Like you were well taken care of. Uh, you had a lot of money. There were some advantages to life for being a leader of the synagogue. And so in, in modern times and today, if we could picture this, this man named Jairus would be like the man who uh, is, is very blessed enough to drive a Mercedes Benz or a BMW, right? He goes to, on his way to work into downtown Charlotte. He stops at the you know, most amazing coffee shop where he has time to sit down and drink his $12 Java. And then he goes and he sits in his Skyline office where he has a view of all of uptown Charlotte. And uh, then when he leaves work, he gets back in that Mercedes Benz. He stops at the nicest steakhouse uh, in downtown Charlotte. He grabs him a $38 filet mignon. Come on, my mouth is starting to water. Who doesn't love steak? Takes it home to his kids where he's got a 3,800 square foot house with jet skis and all the nice new fly fishing gear. And he's, man, he, this brother just got it all and he's well known. People desire to be like him. People want to know him. And then the Bible introduces us to another person. And this person is just simply known as, the Bible says, a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years and could find no crowd. Now this woman doesn't have a name. This woman who has been bleeding for 12 years, which in biblical times they call that ceremonial, ceremonially unclean, which means that she would be an outcast, that she would be somebody that we just walked over or walked by. Like in, in modern times today, she would be like the people that are struggling with homelessness on the street that we drive by and pretend like we didn't see. And she would be like the person that uh, you know, is, is sick or has got something internally going on or is suffering from addiction and is now, you know, she would be the person that, that we overlook. She has no name. She has no influence. And whether she was here today or gone tomorrow, nobody would notice. I think when you and I read scripture, we have to understand that it's all breathed by God. Every word in the text is from him. So everything in here is important. And so what we see here is it's no coincidence that as this scripture is written, that there is a woman who is bleeding for 12 years, 12 years, and there's a man named Jairus who has a 12-year-old daughter, and both of them are in the same spot at the same time for the same reason. If you pictured it like this, while Jairus was at the hospital uh, and his brand new baby girl, his daughter is born. I got a daughter. They are beautiful until they grow up and stop back talking. Start back talking. He's celebrating the birth of his brand new baby girl. And then there's this woman, nameless, who's there the same day being diagnosed with a bleeding that has no cure. But the Bible tells us that we are all connected. Because even though they are completely different circumstances, completely different social classes, completely different people, one has a name, one doesn't, both of them, 12-year-old daughter, 12 years bleeding, that's not a coincidence, y'all. There's no such thing. We are all connected, and, and we're connected because all of us desperately, desperately need Jesus. Come on, how many people in here need Jesus this morning? How many people online? We need Jesus. And so as scripture tells us that Jesus is returning, there's crowds welcoming Jesus because people are hearing about him. People, it's attractive. They're hearing about this healing thing. They're healing about this, hearing about this freedom thing. 
And so here's Jesus back in Galilee, and there's all these crowds of people. And the Bible singles out two of them and starts to talk about them. And how we're connected. We are connected. We all, we all need Jesus. We desperately need Jesus despite our differences, despite what you and I have going on this differently in our lives. And circling back to what I was talking about earlier with, with where we're currently at in culture, with experiencing uh, you know, things that are trying to kill us, and with people that are kind of running around doing whatever they want, saying whatever they want, what I've come to realize is that what we each decide to do affects our neighbor, our community, our country, because we are all connected and because we all do need, need, do need Jesus. And so what I've seen recently on social media and in the world is this incredible division that the enemy has created. And that's his plan, y'all. Like the enemy came to, he seeks to kill and destroy. That's what scripture tells us. And he's doing that through division, right? Like there was just this huge presidential election. You and I might not agree on who should be president. Can I tell you that that's okay? Can I tell you that the enemy is going to intend for you and I to be in a place of division, but that's not what God wants us to do? He wants us to celebrate our differences. He created us indifferent for a reason. So we have the opportunity to build bridges instead of putting up walls around ourselves. Because what's happening is as we're experiencing a high, you know, just record highs in suicides, the drug pandemic and the addictions that our country is currently facing, not just our country, but around the world, we're seeing that we're isolating ourselves. And I'm not talking about social distancing. That's, that's a different thing. Isolation is when you literally withdraw. Everything from you is withdrawn. You're not reaching out to family members. You're not reaching out to friends. You're just kind of stepping back. And so we start to experience all these negative effects from this division that the enemy is causing and from this isolation, loneliness, depression. And it starts to spew out of us. Next thing you know, you can't even log on Facebook without seeing a group of Christians arguing with each other about who the president of the United States should be. Well, we all know that Jesus is king. I tell you, we belong to a or we belong to a kingdom before we do a republic. Regardless of who sits in that office, man does not change man's heart. Only Jesus can do that. We can stand on that bridge all day long, can we not? And so we're porous, we're these sponges. You and I log on to social media, we see this negativity, we see all these things, and it's affecting us. And that's effect with an A. I had to look this up because I didn't even know there was an effect with an A and not an E. An effect literally means to, hold on, I wrote it down in my notes. It means to change or alter circumstances or someone. Like I said, we're sponges. We're online. We're seeing all, we're taking all this stuff in. And what I'm commonly seeing happen is that instead of us coming together and stewarding unity and peace and love, that we're kind of missing the boat right now. That we're jumping in on this division and we're arguing with each other. And I'm not just preaching to, to us at Propel. I'm preaching to everybody, anybody who will listen to me, and myself. I'm guilty of it. I do it all the time. Man, y'all should have dinner at a firehouse sometimes. We could solve all the, problems, all the world's problems there, let me tell you. But there are some disagreements and some arguments. And so we want to be building bridges and not walls as Christians. We don't want to steward division. We want to steward unity. We want to make sure that Jesus is reachable, that we're reflecting him, that we're, 
understanding that we belong to a kingdom before a republic, that God is not calling us to argue about politics, that he's calling us to make a difference in the world. So how do we do that? Matt, how do we, how do we build the kingdom? How do we build bridges instead of walls? I'm so glad that you asked. Let's go back to scripture. It's uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 43 and 48. It says, A woman in the crowd suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up from behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Some translations say the hem of his garment. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, this is so funny, y'all. If you, if you know who Peter is, Peter's like, bro, of course somebody touched you. There's a bajillion people out here trying to get to you, Jesus. What do you mean somebody touched you? Jesus says, who touched me? And Peter said, master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I think it's pretty significant that at the start of that text, it was a woman who bled for 12 years. After she encountered Jesus, now Jesus looks at her and says, I know that they don't give you a name. I know that you're a nameless woman, but I'm looking at you and I'm calling you daughter. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. I picture it like this, this woman who is reaching out to Jesus if you could, if you would just close your eyes with me for a second and just picture this. This woman is, she's weaving through this crowd. She's probably pushing people out of the way. She's saying, hey, Jesus, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I have an issue. I have a problem. I need you. Only you can fix it, Jesus. There's no cure but you, Jesus. And she reaches out. This posture right here is a posture for you and I to remember. Because a lot of times we do this. When we do this, the upside down kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, is about generosity and receiving. Well, I can't give what I have and what I'm carrying or receive what he has for me if my hands are like this. So our posture needs to be one of reception. And this woman, she was on to something. I'm going to hit my next point here in just a second, but before I do, I want to tell a little story. I love insurance agents. Any insurance agents in here? I love y'all. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I was renting and I bought a house. And so... Whenever I got this house, I, I was canceling my renter's insurance. And, and it wasn't but like 8 or $9 a month. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't too terribly much. So let's say that was in April, November, or December. Fast forward six months. I realized that after I had canceled it and sent the email, signed all that stuff, you know, they give you the confirmation, right? That they were still charging me every month. I guess I should do a better job checking my checking account because I didn't realize it for six months. So I called him. I was like, hey, uh, I think there's been a mistake. I actually, I don't live in that house anymore. Um, I bought a house and here's the email. I forwarded him all my stuff where I actually canceled that renter's insurance. And so I sent him that stuff. And, you know, I'm, she's like, yes, sir, I, I see that, Matt, that, or Matthew, that you have, you canceled it and, and we're going to take care of that right now and we'll make sure that we don't charge you anymore. And I'm like, that's great. And then she got quiet. And I was like, um, you going to give me my money back? <laughs> like, I don't know what that is. It's like $50, $60, whatever it is. I mean, at this point, it's not really about the money. It's just about the principality. I'm like, hey, 
y'all took something that wasn't yours to take and you weren't supposed to. And so I want it back. And so I'm, I'm talking to this woman and like the flesh is about to come out. Like I'm about to let her know. <laughs> I'm getting frustrated with her, but, but thank you, Jesus. We all desperately need him, remember? And so uh, I'm on the phone with her and we're kind of chatting back and forth and she's telling me all the reasons why she can't give me a re- refund and I'm telling her all the reasons why that ain't gonna work. <laughs> and so at some point, I'm like, ma'am, can I speak to your supervisor? Like, I appreciate you, but can I speak to the manager? Can I speak to the boss? And wouldn't you know what happened when I talked to the manager? Brother got his money back, right? All right. Took my fiance on a date. And so I tell you that story to metaphorically speak into what's happening here in the context of Scripture. This woman who desperately needed Jesus, this woman desperately needed healing in her circumstances. She understood she had an awareness of his authority. So when she stepped into a circumstance or a situation where she realized that she had a God-sized void in her life, she knew that only Jesus could fill it. So if you and I are going to build bridges instead of walls, we have to be aware of an ever-present God. We have to be aware that he goes before us, that he goes behind us, and he goes with us. And that in him, through him, all things are made possible. And that we have access to him at all points in times. If we're aware of his authority, if we're aware that Jesus is the boss, if we're aware that Jesus is the manager in a contactless world, when we keep contact with him, we can build bridges instead of walls. You and I can actually do the things that God's calling us to do. If not, our selfishness will get in the way. Our flesh will get in the way. Believe me, it happens to me often. I'm preaching to myself here too. Awareness of his authority over everything. And we can call on that in his name at any point in time. Luke chapter 8, verses 49 and 50 says, While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith, and she will be healed. Have you ever been so desperate and such a need for something that you're crying out to God? You're on your knees, you're begging God for this healing in your life. You're begging God to move the mountains and to miraculously do something for you. And then you have to turn around and watch somebody else get blessed. Think about Jairus here. He's he's here and he's, he's... He's doing the, hey, Jesus, Jesus, please. Jesus, I'm over here. I need you. Jesus. And as he's doing that, this woman is miraculously healed and there's these crowds of people. And he's like, but, but my daughter, Jesus, I still need you. Come on, we don't have time for this, Jesus. Come on, my daughter, she's dying. She needs you. You ever had something like that happen to you where you desperately needed Jesus and you had to watch somebody else get a blessing? How did you react to that? Did you celebrate with him? Nah, come on, Christians. That's right. Somebody said it. Somebody was honest in the house tonight, this morning. Excuse me. It's not tonight. It's daylight outside. Uh, we, I think sometimes when I'm in desperate need and I see somebody else get blessed, I get a little jealous. Maybe that's just me. But then to relate to Jairus and understand where he's at right now, Then to have somebody come and tell me, hey, that thing that you need, you don't need it anymore because they're dead. 
Your daughter's dead. Don't bother the teacher. There's no use. And look, look at what Jesus does. This is incredible. He turns around after hearing somebody tell him that his daughter was dead. Having not spoke to Jairus previously to this, right? Nowhere else in the context do we see that they've made contact yet. And he says to him, Don't be afraid, just have faith. Don't be afraid, just have faith. Don't be afraid, just have faith. Regardless of your circumstances right now, regardless of what you need, what you're calling on God for, regardless of where you are, I believe that Jesus is speaking into this room, into these cameras, into this community. Don't be afraid, just have faith. Because he is God with us. He is Emmanuel. He hasn't forgotten about you. He knows exactly where you're at. And he's looking at you and he's saying, hey, I know there's a bunch of people around here. I know there's crowds all around here. I know you're seeing somebody else get blessed, but don't be afraid. Just have faith because I'm with you. I'm for you. And for you not to understand how to build bridges instead of walls, we got to know not just that he has the authority, but also that we can't be scared of where he's taking us. Because as he's leading Jairus to the next destination, he's saying, hey, don't be afraid, just have faith. He's telling him, hey, don't, don't put your faith in the enemy. Don't do that. Fear, anxiety. No, 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 no. Put your faith in me. I got you. We need Jesus. So wherever we're at, circumstantially, wherever we're at in the world and positioned at, God's going to call us into something that requires him. That's the way he works. We need him. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. He will be with you. The next verse says, uh, this, is, this is verse 51 through 55. It says, when they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing. But he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they knew she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned and she immediately stood up. And Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Excuse me. I've, I've taught this text before, this, these verses in this passage. In the past, this is usually the point where I start running around and screaming on stage and doing all this crazy stuff because I hit this point where I say, some things must get out before some things must get in. And I love that point. I love that application because that's what we see Jesus do. He walks up and he's like, hey, only the three homies are coming with me. Everybody else, get out. Anxiety, depression, whatever that metaphorically is, get out so that the miracle can get in. As I was tweaking my notes and I was getting ready for this message today, for us, I felt the Lord show me something different in it. And so I changed the title of the message today to our desperate need. Because look what Jesus does. He meets the need of every single person at the perfect moment. Right on time. Not too late, not too early, but right in the perfect moment. We see Jairus, he's, he's there and he's, hey, Jesus, Jesus, I need you. We got the woman who's bleeding from 
been bleeding for 12 years. She's now healed. She's over there praising. Hey, his garment made me clean. He's real. Her needs been met. Jairus is on his way to his daughter. She's about to get healed. We see the disciples, Peter, John, James. They're getting what they need to, what they need to. Because if we, if we flip the page here and we go to Luke chapter nine, the very next chapter says Jesus sends out the 12 disciples. So they got what they needed too because they saw him bring dead things to life. So they were ready to get sent out. They were ready to build bridges to the gospel, bridges to Jesus instead of walls around themselves. Jesus meets our needs. He's right on time. Every single time. He does it. And so as I read through this, and I was like, Lord, you're just, you're so perfect. You're so good. Right on time. How can I, how can I close this thing out tomorrow? How can I make sure that people understand that we're here for a purpose? We're here to build bridges and, and not walls that we can call on you because you have the authority, that we don't have to be scared or fearful because we know that you're with us and you're taking us to great places. How do I communicate that? And it reminded me of this, this time a couple weeks ago, I was at a wedding and I've had the opportunity to go to several weddings the past month. It's been amazing because I've been able to show off my beautiful fiance. Hey girl. And so, uh, we go to this wedding and after we're done, we leave and we go to cookout in Salisbury. And um, I'm gonna get a peanut butter fudge milkshake because that's how you bring heaven to earth. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, hey yo, Britt, you, you want a milkshake? And she's like, no. And I'm like, I don't believe that. So I'm gonna get you one too. <laughs> so I go to cookout and we get, we get you know, I, I order two milkshakes and I turn around after I'm done ordering and I see a homeless man there. And so y'all can judge me, it's a pandemic. But I hugged the man and I was like, hey brother, I see you. I'm not gonna walk over you, I'm not gonna walk by like I, like I see you. I'm not telling you all this story to try to make me look good. There's a point to it, I'm, I'm gonna get there in just a second. And so I'm like, hey, what, what's your story, sir? And what he told me was, was heartbreaking. This man was a veteran for the United States of America. He was in the army. <clears throat> living on the streets. A couple weeks ago, if you think about the weather, it was cold, it was rainy, it was wet. Like I didn't want to walk from my car to the building, let alone be sleeping in the streets. And so as this man is sharing with me his story, he's like, hey, I'm, I said, brother, I'm about to get hooked up by the VA. You got like three or four weeks and uh, they're going to give me a place to stay. But right now I'm on the streets. I was like, man, I don't, I don't know what to do. You know, I felt stuck. Let me just pray for you. I pray for you, man. So I pray for him and we're chatting afterwards. And I'm like, hey, you know, have you, um, have you tried going to any local churches? And, and it broke my heart what he told me because I realized that sometimes we, we miss the mark unintentionally. He told me that he went to these churches and there was two specifically. He went to one and he knocked on the door and he, and he explained the situation and, um, and they gave him a card. And they're like, here, we, we partner with the organization that does stuff like this. And that's great. Hear, hear me say that uh, we partner with some incredible organizations here at Propel Church. And I believe that God has strategically placed organizations in 
this world for the kingdom to do things such as that. But we can't push people away. We can't miss these opportunities. Say, hey, this is, this is somebody else's thing, not mine. We can still walk them to the process. The next person he went to, he knocked on the door and they answered. And their response was, hey, are you a member here? And I don't say that to dishonor the church as a whole because you and I are just as guilty this morning. We miss the mark sometimes. As we close out this morning, what, I, what, I, what I'd like for us to leave with is the understanding that there's some division in the world. There's some negativity. There's some circumstances that are way out of our control. Some of us are battling right now with personal things that I may not understand at all. But if you can just get to Jesus, if you can just focus on him, be aware of his presence, understand that you don't have to be afraid of where he's taking you. You can just have faith. You can experience the miracle yourself and you can build bridges to him instead of building walls around yourself. For some of us in here today, we may not have access to a real and living God because we haven't made a decision for Jesus yet. I've got great news for you. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus has come and died for us. He took our place on the cross so we don't have to feel condemned anymore. All we have to do, all we have to do is confess it with our mouths and believe it in our hearts that Jesus is Lord and you are set free. Your sin is paid for, the debt is paid for. Jesus has overcome. We have the victory in and through him. Sin, death, and Satan is defeated. In order to build bridges instead of walls, we have to have a working personal relationship with Jesus. So today with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today, if you need to make a decision for Jesus, Raise your hand for me. If you're online, put it in the chat. Here's what I'd love to do. I'd love, I'd love for you to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I put my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I can have a new life. In Jesus' name. Amen.